Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. So welcome to this, let's face it, very, very special uh, edition of the famous Sloping Pitch. Um, we're going to ring the changes. You know, it comes a time, we've done about 20, where you think, let's try something different. Sometimes these things are forced upon you, and today is one of those days. Because we're going to sadly, ring a change. <laughs> yeah, a change, yeah. Because we did have a guest, we did have a guest, uh, and I would love to tell you the full story, but suffice to say, they can't join us because they are in prison. <laughs> okay, and next week I will re- re- reveal who who that is. We tried Along to get with the, the rest Sokobot- of the reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we tried to get the soccer bot three sixty on. Yeah. Right, apparently, as a- agents away in, in the West Indies. Right. So, but this is a week. <laughs> this is a week um, in which the James Webb Telescope uh, was launched. A telescope so powerful it'll be able to see into the past and the birth of our universe. It's a joint venture between the European Space Agency and NASA. The American Americans hope that this view of the beginning of time will provide clues that will sustain the universe for the next billion years. The French are interested in how a glimpse of the very origins of being will inform fundamental notions of context and place, whilst the English are hoping that seeing the past as it happened will definitively prove that Jeff Hurst shot across the line in the 1966 <laughs> World Cup final. I thought it was going to provide a clue to the whereabouts of Danny Drinkwater, but there we are. <laughs> no, 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 not every week. It can't see that far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it was a week in which England cricket coach Chris Silverwood blamed COVID restrictions for the Ashes defeat, saying the lads just misunderstood when I told them we all needed a rapid test. Still, England were bowled out for 68. They were in danger of not even mustering a cricket score. You know when there's a heavy defeat in in another sport, people say, oh, it could have been a cricket score. England batsmen have been out for naught 54 times this year. Yeah. Nil. Now, that, let me tell you, as an Oldham fan, is a football score. 
<laughs> and can I just say, it's the first time I think that um, England players have been out for naught more often than me in a calendar year. Because <laughs> generally, that's that, that's just about my average. Now, the next comment, uh, you can award yourself £10 if you have any idea what this means, but I don't care because it pleases me. <laughs> right. Sting's son has pleasingly announced that he's shortly to join the police, the real actual police. And we're hoping that this is the beginning of a trend and that Sarah Cracknell's two children will be making their French League debuts very soon. There you go, and I'm not going to explain it. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, this week, enjoyed my favourite Christmas movie, of course, Bruce Willis in bare feet and a vest in a tower block surrounded by terrorists. And then, in an unexpected twist, you find out he was killed right at the beginning. Dead hard, it's called. <laughs> and I also found that uh, saw that John Terry is returning to Chelsea as youth team coach, which means he'll be right on hand with his kit on to go up and get any trophies Chelsea might win. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're the parent of those youth team players, you're going to be delighted to have a figure such as John Terry to be moulding your young children's minds and hearts and souls. Yes, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And character, character building. But yes. there we are. Anyway, before we share our bright-eyed New Year's resolutions, giving ourselves over to optimism and determination to make the best of ourselves in the spirit of the Premier League, let us first resign ourselves to the fact that this year coming is going to be just as shite as the one just finishing whatever we say or do or cut down on, which is how we do things at the very bottom of the EFL. So last Saturday was Oldham's relegation six-pointer against Scunthorpe United, the only team below us in the League Two table. Well... Not anymore. It started well enough. Oldham took an early lead when our teenage left-back smashed his attempted cross right into the top corner and then celebrated like Cantona from before he was born. 1-0 up at half-time, and with so many other games off because of the Covid boom, we were actually up to 89th in the league. Heady heights, believe you me. Then the second half happened. First, Scunthorpe equalised with a mishit that ricocheted into the goal off Carl Pijani's head. Then Oldham started playing for a draw with half an hour to go, took off the most impressive attacking midfielder, teenage Harry Vaughan, brought on another left-back and played him at centre-back. It was clear they didn't know what the formation was anymore. There were suddenly huge gaps in the middle and Scunthorpe galloped through them and scored two more. Both goals had something particular in common, in that they looked like the scene in a sci-fi movie where you suddenly realise that a character you think is real is actually a hologram. Our goalkeeper kind of shivered and reset as the ball passed straight through him without any substantial impediment, and he said, I'm sorry, Keith, I'm not programmed to deal with this situation. <laughs> I'm imagining <laughs> he's still set, set to respond to Keith Curl, the previous manager. But anyway, <laughs> all-purpose League Two manager, Keith. I, I, I was watching uh, the game um, on... on well, on the internet kind of thing, you know, yes. up to updates and things like As that. And I, was, I was heartbroken. I've become more and more... I mean, I've always cared, obviously, Chris, um, for you <laughs> and for your team. Um, but it, I found it rather heartbreaking. And also I rather enjoyed the fact that one of Scunthorpe's goals was scored by a man named after a female character in A Midsummer Night's Dream, as far as I could tell. Oh, really? Was it Hippolyta scored? Uh, or Hippolyte. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that, that's, that, that sort of class eludes uh, us at Badbury Park, unfortunately. Uh, but still, while we were talking about the goalkeeper, whose name is not Shakespeare, and it's Jason with a Y, Lutweiler, and he's a Canadian international. I'm imagining there must be at most three Canadian goalkeepers in the world for this to be the case. That's an absolute maximum. When he takes a goal kick, this drives me absolutely mad. He knocks it, like, at most three yards to his left, 
to Piagiani, who's standing in the six-yard box in his own in his own goal area, has no run-up to boot it up the field. And they've changed the rules so you can do this, take a goal kick to someone inside the penalty area. It's not like yeah, a yeah. couple of seasons old, isn't it? But so Piagiani's now, you know, standing, standing just in front of his goal. And the opposition strikers have seen that this is happening uh, game after game. And they're waiting on the edge of the area. And as soon as he gets it, they close him down. So now he's got to take a touch and knock it out wide to the left back who's standing by the corner flag. And the opposition know that this is going to happen and they've closed him down as well. So he plays it long down the touchline to someone who's inevitably marked because that's the only fucking way the ball can go. And it fails time and time and time again. And yet they keep doing it. And they imagine, you can see, they imagine that they've been told to do this and that what they're doing is they're playing it out from the back, that it's sophisticated, <laughs> that it's how the big boys play. You know, clearly, they probably practice doing it, but it, it never, ever works. Yeah. And it means yeah. that instead of losing possession in the centre circle after after a you know hoof up field because we frankly we have no one who can win a header we're losing possession like twenty yards out from our own goal if we're lucky because we're not good enough to keep it for pass after pass under pressure just yeah. put it in the other fucking half but, and fight for it that's what, what I, I love about that Chris is, is it, that reminds me of of, of, of under eight games where actually your best chance of scoring was their goal kick because <laughs> one the goalkeeper couldn't kick it very well so they get the big boy they pass it to the big boy who tries to kick it but you know oh. this, this is your chance because if the ball comes back you're in yeah but if, if we would just kick a goal kick into the centre circle and compete for it we'd have a 50-50 chance of winning it but we've got a, we've got a, you know, practically zero chance of making anything out of it by knocking the ball two feet to Pirjani who's standing right next to him standing right bloody next to him Anyway, it's not just goal kicks either. When Jason with the Y makes a save, I think one happened in November, and he never ever looks up and like bowls it out to the wing back to catch the other team out, or kicks it out of his hands. He puts it on the ground and then slowly, painstakingly waits for everyone to shape up, waits for the forwards to be ready to to, to nick it, and then taps it three yards to his left for Pijani, who's already being closed down. It means we never have a quick breakaway ever. We never really have a quick anything. But we never have a quick breakaway ever. If the keeper can't kick it very far because he's injured, you know, that's one. That's another thing. If the centre-back is taking the goal kicks because he's pulled a thigh muscle or something. But it's not that. It's just... It's just being given given to a player who's completely incapable of fancy danning it around, who needs to unleash his inner Peter Kay, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and just to say, if, if there are any youngsters listening, which I very much doubt, incidentally. Um, um, I don't think whenever, whenever a pundit says, if for any youngsters, I don't think any youngsters are paying any attention no, no, ever no, no. to that. But, yeah, I'd just like to say that, you know, if, if you want to know the very definition of exasperation, what you've just had, <laughs> you've just had it there. So, you know, remember that if somebody asks you to define exasperation. Yeah. It's an old and goal, old and goal kick. An old and goal kick. <laughs> I mean... It's terrible, isn't it? Because there, there were so there were two two big games for Oldham over over Christmas. Uh, you know, six pointers, as you know, from which we've taken one, and have played for a draw with half an hour to go in both. And so it's sad that the highlight of the week um, wasn't anything to do with Oldham. The highlight of the week this week was watching Jamie Carragher listening to Gary Neville's halftime rant about how poor Man United were against Newcastle. Did you see this? How they were all whinge bags. Yeah. Did you see? He had the most fantastic grin on his face. It was the sort of grin a cartoon dog would have, like big and wide and drawn <laughs> on. You know? I mean, Neville's complaining, obviously, from my perspective, Neville's complaining about real, really first world problems. And his thwarted entitlement was, was amusing on its own. But Carragher's cartoon dog face was the perfect 
accompaniments, I think. Yes. Yeah. I like the fact he used the, he used the word whinge bags, which whinge surely bags, doesn't yeah. exist in anybody's lexicon, does no, it? No, I think it was a character on children's television many years ago. Yes, in, in Emu's big pink windmill, wasn't it? <laughs> it was grit bags, the witch, oh, grit I believe. Bags, yeah, there right. you go. Well, a relative, you know. You know how in Bewitched there always used to be another witch along with yes. a similar name to the previous ones? Yes. A relative, yes. you know, for one episode only. Anyway, yeah. I saw that uh, a new golden statue of Cristiano Ronaldo has been unveiled in Goa. Did you see that? I did. Goa is currently celebrating 60 years since independence from Portugal. So putting up a statue of a Portuguese footballer is a slightly odd thing to do, isn't it? It's a bit like putting up a statue, a gold statue of Wayne Rooney in Zimbabwe or something. And that's not the only controversy attached to the statue, as it apparently went way over budget on brass for the neck. And the statue hey. doesn't doesn't seem to be complaining about the quality of service it's receiving from statues of other Manchester United players. Yeah. And also, it looked. Did you see the picture of it? It looks suspiciously like the head just screws off and could be replaced with the head of a local well, hero of the independence struggle at some point. So it's like a multi-purpose statue. Which, yeah, and of course, and, 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 and you know, there's history of that because that's exactly why you have busts, isn't it? Roman busts and Greek busts was because they used to just change the heads change all the, the time. Head. When change somebody fell out of favour, they did. Yeah. That's yeah, actually, yeah. actually is the case. But I, the, what I liked about the, uh, um, just to go back to the Neville with Ronaldo, obviously oh, yeah, yeah, Ronaldo's yeah. statue, was, was the headline in the paper that said, Neville attacks Ronaldo live on Sky. And I'm thinking, right, I'm paying my subscription right now. Yeah, there now. we go, pro celebrity boxing. Here we yeah, go. There's a programme you want to watch, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, it's true, though. The faces that Ronaldo pulls when a pass isn't inch perfect, they must be incredibly bad for morale, don't you think? I mean, he's yeah. so eloquent at pantomiming his dissatisfaction. It must get yeah. them down. I mean, compare that to Cavani's, Cavani's demeanour when he came on. He looks like all he wants to do is catch a rat and eat it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think we all want that, don't we, Merry Christmas time? I want time. to see Cavani uh, do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Gianluigi Buffon said this week, didn't he, that accommodating Ronaldo ruined Juventus, ruined their DNA. He stopped them from being a proper team. And Allegri, the manager, told Juventus to get rid of Ronaldo when he came in uh, because he was blocking the growth of the team and the club. And these things are code for because he keeps pulling those faces like everyone else's shit. That's well, what that's yeah. code for. Well, then that's exa- that was exactly the problem um, at, at Newcastle for Manchester United, wasn't it? But but I I had a new respect for referees because when when he followed the referee around, didn't he, for about ten minutes after a, a supposed foul on the edge of the area that he yeah. felt he should have got, and I just think these referees have so much discipline because I wouldn't be able to stop myself just sending him off and just <laughs> saying, "Oh fuck off, please, <laughs> you utter, utter, utter that word that we're not allowed." That to were that we were well, we we can say it but we choose not to we're yeah, we're, we the, we're the bigger yeah. men yeah. and they love him don't they Ronaldo in the Middle East and he was named best goal scorer in football history at, at the Globe Soccer event in Dubai this week and he likes this event he said the Dubai Globe Soccer Gala which I had never heard of is one of the most important sports events in the world and to receive such a meaningful award is truly one more dream come true. Yeah. Last year, he won a Player of the Century, apparently. Next year, he's already been shortlisted for Biggest Neck, Best Ronaldo, and Oiliest Player in the Whole of Football History. <laughs> yes, best, best bloke ever, 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 yeah. bar none. Yeah, uh, <laughs> only footballer invited he won yeah. last year. But anyway. Wouldn't it be... I mean, I'm not saying that this could happen or, or even that, 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 that it could possibly be true, but wouldn't it be fantastic if Portugal got to the World Cup 
yeah. okay, in Qatar. And when they got there, they won it. And then as the trophy was being given over, Ronaldo came out as gay. That would be <laughs> just the most fantastic smack in the mouth for the Qataris. It would. It? That would tick a lot of boxes, wouldn't it? It would. It really yeah. would. Apart from them winning the World uh, Cup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm, I, 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 I might, I, if, I, if you could guarantee the, him coming out as gay thing, I might accept that. But still, yeah. I might even yeah. support them through the tournament. But anyway, yeah, yeah. This well, obviously, uh, the, obviously, the, the, the four guys in that particular uh, uh, scenario are the Qatari government. Uh, not, yes, not the concept of, yeah. of Ronaldo being gay, which is, of course, entirely fine well, and, and <laughs> would be desirable in that circumstance. Hate, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Ralph Rangnick, the new United manager, he doesn't look like a particularly easy man to please either, does he? He was throwing his hands up in the air as if to say, what the fuck are you lot doing? I mean, it's less about motivation, it looked like, than trying to distance himself from blame. It's like throwing his hands up going, oh, I haven't, haven't had any training sessions with these guys yet. <laughs> <laughs> using the international language of mime, you know, saying that all I told them was to play better than this. So, <laughs> yes. It, and he endeared himself to no one this week with the suggestion that we don't need the League Cup. I mean, quite apart from the fact that without it, nobody would know what a carabao is. I mean, it's like Haribo, only made out of caramel, I think, or else some kind of mousse. But he's only just got here and already he wants to rearrange the furniture. He hasn't even been in charge of a game in it. United lost in September to West Ham, didn't they? So how yeah. does he know he doesn't like it? He might really like it. Yeah. And, and also, it's, it's the only thing that Stoke have won, so I'd be absolutely heartbroken. Yeah, it's the only thing Oldham got to the final of and didn't, yeah. didn't yeah, win, yeah. obviously. Anyway, but yeah, I remember that day in, in March 1972. I remember it very vividly. March the 4th, I, I, yeah. yeah. I remember the names of a lot of the players. I can't think why they stick in my mind, but... <laughs> they <laughs> well, do. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Marsh, Padgett, Bernard, Smith, Blore, Conry, Green, or Fritchie, Dobing, Eastham. Exactly, exactly so. Uh, <laughs> yes, but there's been quite a lot of whinging from the managers across the board, and, and you know, I'm tempted not to, to go into it at all. Um, well, yeah, well, we uh, shall, we shall, in a moment, we shall talk about their, their attitude to the uh, to the schedule. But uh, yeah. just while we're still on this game, I mean, yeah. I thought Newcastle looked pretty good for once. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, You started thinking while you're watching it, if they can just keep Callum Wilson and Alan San Maxim outfit, they might have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was a good game. It was, it was a, good a good game, game. and they played very well. <laughs> and when San Maxim missed that really easy chance to make it two 0 oh heartbreaking! <laughs> Did you hear Martin Tyler try to get away with that? Was not so much Maximan as a minimum. Did you hear him try and get away he with that? He never did, did he? He did, yeah. It was a little while after as well. It's like he'd thought about it, for, it had come to it. And there was like a long stretch of silence after that one landed. Nothing yes. from his sidekick. I think it was Don, Don Goodman and it Alan Smith. It was Don, it was Don. It's a friend yeah. of the show. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and, but there was nothing from Don, nothing from Alan Smith, nothing from Martin himself. It was almost like he'd been hauled away in front of the beat <laughs> and given a dressing down before being allowed to continue on a probationary basis for the rest of the game. And he said, dressing down, I put dressing gown on my Christmas list. And they said, Martin, you you're just making it worse, man. <laughs> he had a couple of games off, didn't he, this week, Martin? Because the games were on Amazon Prime. And they will be uh, still when those postponed games are rearranged, apparently. I'm a bit confused yeah. about Amazon Prime, about what they're getting out of it. Because they're just using the same people you see on, on the other channels. Aren't they using Gabby Logan you, that, that and Alan Shearer and Ali yeah, yeah, McCoyst yeah. and Emma Hayes of ITV and Thierry Henry, who's loads of the other channels. What's their USB? What's their innovation? What's the thing that they're bringing that will make them a significant player in the in the it's but, it's it's just that will challenge Sky and BT to be better. You, there's nothing, you know. They're just well, yeah, using yeah. these some familiar faces as like an advert for Amazon Prime, as an extended advert for Amazon Prime itself for everything else that Amazon Prime does. And so it just needs to be as comfortable and familiar as possible. And it's but, it's infuriating to to why 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 aren't they trying to bring more? Why aren't they trying to bring something? 
Well, I think I think they do bring something. They bring a oh. What, what channel's that on? And you never yeah. know what channel's it on. Yeah. And also, nobody's and, got it. And so they bring... I need a, pass, a password for that. Oh, you know, but I get the parcels. I get the parcels. Can I watch it? <laughs> yeah, they bring it. They bring you can only watch it, can't you, at your address in Denmark? In Denmark, <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Um, that, that Martin Tyler thing you said about maximum and minimum <laughs> reminds me, and I'm fairly sure it was Martin uh, Tyler, um, many years ago, <laughs> at the very near the beginning of the Premier League, um, commentating on um, a game at Southampton when, yeah. was it Klaus uh, Lundvarm? The, yes. uh, the uh, I think uh, played a lot against Southampton, Norwegian player. And he, <laughs> he goes, Lundvarm thumps it out of play. But then again, a Norwegian would. <laughs> Just, and you know he had it written down. He had it written down. It was desperate to use it. And every, I'm sure there were houses across the world. We go. Did he? He did said he, that. Did he, just, he? he just did that. He, yeah, he just did. He that. said the Norwegian yeah, wood yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very pleased. No, I, no, I like Martin Tyler by and large. I think he's pretty good. But uh, yeah, but I, it is it is good when they try and crank in a, 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 yeah. a prearranged joke, as it is when we try and do it. But anyway, there's one coming in a minute. (laughs) So Leicester this week played the top two. At least they were the top two when they played them. They scored three really good goals against Manchester City. They looked really good. They scored three really good goals against Manchester City as well. Unfortunately, they'd already let in four before they started playing and let in another two once City started to get a bit worried. But then then against Liverpool, they fielded two defensive midfielders as emergency centre-backs against the most potent attack in the country. And you you could sense the apprehension in the stadium right from the start. You know, it's like you could feel the crowd going, well, we're in for it today. You know, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and Didi trips Salah up in the box. There's a palpable sense of, uh-oh, here we go. This, yeah, yeah. this is just the start. But then he did a shit penalty and headed the rebound against the bar and Mane missed a great chance. And, the, and Lookman scored a really neat goal for Leicester and they held out. And, you know, good luck to them. They did well, I think. It was, it was, yeah. it was quite a thing. Well, yeah, and also it... it, 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 it expose that idea that that not being able to play the team that you desperately want to play means inevitably you're going yeah. to get trounced and you're yeah, not going yeah. to do as well actually sometimes you know it's it's the necessity and invention deal isn't it yeah, and sometimes yeah. you know you discover these things you know, that's that's how uh, for instance Paul Warhurst was one of your yes. uh, dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. dear players ended up um, you know playing centre back and centre forward you know yeah, because, ended up playing yeah. up front for Sheffield Wednesday and then was picked for England as a centre forward and yeah. you know, just for one squad which he was had to withdraw from injured so he never actually played for England but yeah. he got but he was a brilliant brilliant centre back and then yeah. got an emergency centre forward scored scored a shitload of goals in very few games picked for England and then yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> went back centre and, back and, 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 and indeed uh, Dave Watson who is England centre back for many many years started his career as a centre forward it's, centre it's, forward, it's, yeah. is it not the poacher turned gamekeeper if we can't yes. be using that more often I don't <laughs> yes, know exactly. or gamekeeper turned poacher in Paul Warhurst's uh, case obviously yes exactly and there has uh, yeah I mean uh, you know, there's been a lot of bleating uh, in the past couple of weeks about about uh, squads being depleted and, and about yeah. player welfare why is nobody ever talking about player welfare because they are our puppets and must dance for our pleasure to distract yes. us from the bleak, creeping horror of the rest of our lives and prevent us from thinking about taking assault weapons into our workplaces. This is why. 
Nobody yes. thinks about their welfare. But Jordan Henderson was particularly vocal, wasn't he? And Pep Guardiola. And there yeah. are two distinct issues at the moment, aren't there, which are, which are sort of uh, combining. One is the so-called crazy Boxing Day schedule and crazy yes. Christmas schedule that no other country in, in Europe has anything like, apparently. And the other is the strain on squads because of COVID. And Guardiola, <laughs> he raised the comical notion of the players um, worried about their welfare going on strike. And he yeah. then immediately said, yeah, he didn't think it would happen, but it could happen. That's all I'm saying. It won't happen, uh, but it could happen, but it won't happen. Yeah. But should the, yeah. the players and the managers be all together and make a strike or something? Because just through words, it's not going to be solved. But I'm not saying there's a reason to make a strike. Just it could happen. It won't happen, yeah. but it could happen. But, but it could happen, but it won't happen. I, I liked the idea of, of the players going on strike. Uh, 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 because, you know, it's going to affect their physical well-being that they yeah. can't play this many games. And I'm not going to trot out the whole, you know, they're lucky to be able to bloody do it, blah, blah, blah. But it would be kind of deeply and profoundly ironic <laughs> if the players went on strike because they felt, you know, we could get injured when the people who are building the stadium in Qatar <laughs> are dying at the rate of about a thousand a week oh, um, in order to put on a World Cup, you know. And, and, well, and, yeah, and the also, thing is, you know, they, 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 they can't play, they, they go and strike, and then they've got this this elusive match fitness to regain when they when they when, go back to work, haven't they? Yes, and the, and the other thing about that is, which I found amazing about this, you know, we, we can't play these games, you can't play this. You know what's going to happen? These games are going to be played back to back in mm. May is what's yeah, going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So it's only going to be the same thing. It'll be a bit warmer. Yeah. But we might have another variant exactly. by then. You know, we might yeah. have a whole, a whole other um, COVID to deal with by then. Yeah, and, you know, and you know, and I, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a man that wears two hats. I've occasionally worn one and occasionally mm. worn three, but two. Mm. I love my football, but love, as you well know, my dear boy, I am in essence a showbiz person. You know, <laughs> that's that's my real life. That's my love. The theatre is my first love. And I'm sorry for I, laughing at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to say that, quite honestly, to these professional footballers, you think your Christmas schedule is hard? Try panto. Love. Try Panto. Try yeah. bloody Panto, oh love. Two shows a bloody day. Yeah. God almighty. In corsets, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and wouldn't you love it if every professional footballer had to do one Panto? Of had course, it be- wasn't... Wasn't this what Graham Potter did with with his um, with his side in in Sweden? Was there Hamstads? They did Ostersunds. Yeah, he made them put on shows for their local uh, for their local town um, as a, as a, as a, as a, um, a team building. Well, I look uh, forward to seeing that happening in in Brighton in the uh, in the very near future. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. You see more. Neil Mope as Rumpelstiltskin, that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that, that actually, you know, there have been a lot of moaning. There's been a lot of moaning by the managers, but but in some ways I love the fact that they've kind of taken on the British Christmas. I mean, I think Klopp definitely, you know, has understood mm. what it is, um, you know, to live in Liverpool or indeed anywhere in Britain over Christmas because he's just spent two weeks wearing the same tracksuit and slagging everybody <laughs> off. That is what Christmas is That's all about. That's a Liverpool from- Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, and indeed a Stoke Christmas and, and many, many other pla- uh, uh, other places. And the thing he said about about the um, about the Boxing Day games was you know, they were talking about the the, the 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 necessary drop in quality, you know. Mm. And they say after the Boxing Day, they're saying, "See, see, Manchester City six, Leicester three. Is that what you want? Is that what you bloody want? Because <laughs> that's what you're going to get with players injured and playing too many games, rubbish like that." Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That uh, I mean, the, the the chief executive of the PFA, Mahata Malango, 
It says that the issue's not going away. It needs to be investigated thoroughly. And the results of that investigation need to be looked at very carefully by like one or two people and not released to the public because that's, you know, how they do things. But, yeah. but here's a thought, you know. If you're so worried about the effects of COVID on your squads, why don't you yeah. insist that all the fuckers get vaccinated? Then maybe well, we'll take you seriously. Then maybe yeah. you'll think, oh, well, you've done everything possible. But the yeah. poor vaccination rate of professional footballers is just stupid. I mean, look at all the EFL games that are postponed. There were there were like ten of twelve last night of the League Two games were postponed because of COVID. It's hardly yeah. surprising there's a problem. There's, there's only a fifty nine percent vaccination rate among professional yeah. footballers. How are they allowed to get away with this? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, why don't you know, why don't their employers you know to get a grip? Did you see that uh, AFC Wimbledon wrote to the uh, EFL yes, I did after see their that. games against Portsmouth and Charlton were postponed, both yeah. because the opposition couldn't feel the team, and these would have been their two biggest gates of the season. Charlton, yeah. local derby, and Portsmouth, the biggest team in the division, arguably. Uh, 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 you know, Sunderland might some, argue that. Yeah, yeah, but Portsmouth much closer. You know, you're going to get yeah, a bit yeah, of yeah. Right. Anyway, they pointed out that they've they've managed to keep COVID disruption down to a minimum at Wimbledon by strict measures, by vaccinations, by players not seeing their families for extended periods. And this is despite being in London, which is the epicentre of the Omicron surge. And yet they're effectively being punished for their own efficiency, or, or despite it anyway, rather, while those clubs who have taken a cavalier attitude to vaccination are being allowed to cause disruption with a shrug and not even a slap on the wrist. Yeah. I mean, Oldham too have kept playing uh, while their rivals have had their feet up. And you know how the old saying is that you'd rather have points on the board than games in hand? You know, yeah. we, we have neither of those. No, we don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have games. In fact, Stoke are playing tonight. We're recording this on a Thursday. Stoke are playing Derby tonight. Yeah. And, you know, you, you sit here thinking at any time in the next couple of hours this game uh, could be called off. Yeah, and I, yeah. think, I think Wimbledon, they kind of intimated that maybe, and heaven knows, I can't believe this could ever happen in football, that some clubs are lying. The, the, yeah, some clubs are taking that... I mean, I think, I think you can see the ones who have been trying to as well. Thomas Tuchel has been especially bleaty, hasn't he, about how yeah. unfair everything is. And the trouble is, if you're complaining about having to use the rest of your squad and your Chelsea, it's bound to sound a bit like, oh, it's just so unfair that we're unable to take advantage of our massive unfair advantage. I mean, Spurs yes. were the first, weren't they, to make the case for postponing fixtures because of the number of COVID cases in their squad. And effectively, they had what happened was they had a couple of weeks off and then came back firing on all cylinders with Kane yeah. looking like a striker again. And I think yeah. Tuchel is just looking at that and thinking, well, why can't we have a couple of weeks off and come back brilliant? I want to do that. You know, yeah. After their draw with Brighton last night, Tuchel said it would be stupid to think they could win the league. And they're second. So there's there's apparently no point in watching football anymore. Apparently, no, no. But one of them, and I, I was trying to find this. I'm sure one of them said they wanted one of the results overturned. I think, really? which is yeah, absolutely uh, bizarre. And also Chelsea, Chelsea. Although they might be missing, say eight first-team players, yeah. you know, they have another 137 <laughs> on loan at various or, other clubs or, or, across yeah, Europe. On loan in Arnhem or somewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, 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 that they could call upon. And and it was very, very Christmassy, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that, all that moaning that they were doing, the, oh, he's got more substitutions than me and yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. He got a bike. Just yeah. pathetic. <laughs> it really, really was. Um, yeah. No, but my, my worry is that, you know, which we know that, that football clubs can be duplicitous 
pages that I think there's a lot of playing the game and very little of actually playing the games. If you, if yeah, you well, there's a lot of it, it's, it's game management writ large, isn't it? That's, that's basically what it is. I mean, the crazy schedule is uh, obviously the managers are, are worried that their squads will find it hard, but that's the gig. You know, get used to it. It's it's a tradition in this country to have lots of football because otherwise we'd all be stuck indoors with our families watching Ant and Deck. You know? Yeah, and there were loads of goals. Yeah, as you say, City six three, Arsenal five nil, West Ham two, Southampton three. Right up to the 60s, you know, they used to play on Boxing Day and then again on the 27th, they'd play the reverse fixture against the same opposition. You know, Oldham's record defeat, 13-4 to Tranmere, came in a Boxing Day game in 1935. And the day before, actually, on Christmas Day, we'd beaten them 4-1 and obviously, you know, celebrated that. And Oldham's biggest win, 11-0 against Southport, was a Boxing Day game as well. But, like, yeah, it's actually... If you're as sad as as we are, it's actually worth going back and looking at those scores because there are some fantastic reverses. I mean, they are like 7-1, they win at home and then lose away 8-2 to the same team. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Bring that, more of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's fair. There's no real enthusiasm for redoing the holiday schedule. These are the the lucrative TV packages that, that Amazon Prime have set their sights on. And why? Still not clear. But, you know, admittedly, COVID is a, is a problem. Mikel Arteta has apparently tested positive for COVID again and will miss the game on Saturday against Manchester City. And either that or the, the Misterons have another task for him, like sabotaging the launch of a new super tanker or something. But now they've worked out that COVID is a really convenient excuse for his unexpected absences on his on his evil missions. Yes. But I think we're going to see games postponed well into January and then we're going to get three weeks of snow, apparently. Everyone's stuck indoors, public transport affected, matches off. Yeah, still, you know. Well, I don't know. Have you been reading the Daily Express? Because in the Daily Express, we're always about to get three weeks of snow. Yeah, but no, apparently with this, this weekend we've got the African plume, which is going to bring 15 degrees uh, warm weather this weekend for the last oh. round of fixtures before the African Nations Cup and carts off a bunch of leading players for the best part of a month. Uh, but from next week, it's going to freeze here. So the teams relying on African players will be hoping for a few more postponements, I think. I'm no doubt getting them. I'm no doubt getting them. Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's uh, have a break there and um, see what else we've gone after. Very little. <laughs> so welcome back. Um, in a week, we forgot to mention that uh, that uh, Raheem Sterling guest edited uh, nearly all of the Today programme before <laughs> hobbling off with ten minutes to go after a challenge from Sarah Montague. But that was quite entertaining and 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 very interesting. And actually, uh, just before the break, Chris, you were mentioning the African Cup of Nations, and uh, it is true that. That football, or certainly domestic football, treats that in 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 an incredibly. I think, racist way in that it, what are they doing going off to that stupid competition when they could be playing in the Premier League? Whereas, in fact, you know, we stop for the European Championships, for instance. Well, we yeah, but they play in the, the summer. Cup. I mean, the, the uh, African thing being in, in January is the thing that really sticks in the craw, I think. And I think it looked very vulnerable, didn't it, in the proposals for uh, the biennial World Cup. They yes. thought, well, we'll make room for this by ditching the, the African nations. That, that's yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and that was the same with Lewandowski and uh, I can't remember who else. Oh, Mbappe were, were, yeah. were moaning about the biennial World Cup idea. Um, yeah. That was at that globe, that globe football thing that you were talking well, about. Well, yeah, uh, and they should, you know, if, if they're going to deprive us of the biennial World Cup entertainment, maybe she should put on a pantomime. Yeah. 
Anyway, anyway well, we, we I can have to say, have to say, <laughs> if you go down to Stoke, you'll be finding this plenty of pantomime behaviour going oh, on there. To tell you the truth, I think you'll find. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so we look ahead to the new year, which is a World Cup year, and we can see what resolutions the Qatari regime have made to address yes. issues of human rights and intolerance ahead of the tournament that will bring the biggest global spotlight onto their country. I'm joking, of course. They've decided to ban toys that have rainbow designs on them, saying they go against Islamic values. Now, it's pretty clear that rainbow designs have particular connotations for the LGBTQ plus community and their activists. Uh, in fact, yeah. it's become an international symbol for inclusion, hasn't it? The Premier League took part in Stonewall's rainbow laces campaign in recent months, and Lewis Hamilton deliberately, rather provocatively actually, highlighted the intolerance of the Qatari regime by wearing a rainbow helmet for the Qatar Grand Prix. So this is yeah. a big worry ahead of the World Cup. I mean, the, yeah. the, the FA and FIFA have been quite specific in their assurances uh, that LGBTQ plus symbols and designs will be allowed at the World Cup, at least inside the stadia. It does yeah. rather beg the question, though, of how a rainbow flag, say, would ever get to the stadium in the first yes, place. Yes, indeed. If rainbow yeah. design things are, are, are banned in the country at large. I was planning to go to the tournament with my friends, Jeffrey, George, Zippy and Bungle the Bear. I suppose that's <laughs> out of the question now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Peter Tatchell described the banning of rainbow toys as a new low for the Qatar regime and that you know that's a low bar <laughs> and called for the world cup to be moved to another host country for heaven's sake it's a bit late for that now isn't it and where else would you find that we, it would work to play in november now that we've shut up the whole schedule to make room for it you know, Scotland. For, the, for the Scotland, yeah for the original corrupt and stupid idea I mean, in Qatar, in the, in the story, it said that uh, in Qatar, same-sex relations between men are punishable with up to five years' imprisonment under the state's penal code. Don't an, even need to is, finish this. You don't a, even need to finish it. It's just you an unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate way of putting that. Anyway, they clearly believe, don't they, the Qataris, that getting themselves a metrosexual ambassador like David Beckham would wow. take care of all of that. And clearly that's as far as they were prepared to go once Boy George had turned them down. Um, and it's just... it's. It's not just this issue, of course. We shouldn't forget that that 6,500 migrant workers have been killed since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar in 2010, and the regime are planning to kick them all out before the World Cup so they don't make the place look untidy or controversial. Yes, I mean, yes. yeah, how, how, is this, how is this World Cup going to, uh, going it's to even it's, be allowed to happen? It, I mean, it's <laughs> abs absolutely. I, I'm very much looking forward to David Beckham trying to explain to Elton John during one of their Sunday lunches <laughs> How what he's doing is a step forward yes. um, uh, for uh, equality uh, for the uh, LGBT uh, community, um, and also, and as I've explained to you, uh, you, uh, you know, theatre is my first love, and <laughs> I'm now extremely worried because during the World Cup we were going to be touring our Joseph uh, and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and now, frankly, we're worried. We're bloody worried about the whole thing. Well, so, you know, that, uh, that fucking Dreamcoat—that's not getting through customs, is it? <laughs> no, no, and you. So, and also, it seems, it, it, I have to say, what really worries me about this toy thing is it seems to be taking such a, making such a low bar. Well, um, it's in, for, investing, for, for, investing an <laughs> object, uh, a, a, you know, a, a child's yeah. toy, just a, an, an inanimate object with um, offence against Islamic values. It's, yeah. uh, it's absurd. So yeah, what it means is that children can only have monochrome toys. Is yeah. that the deal? Uh, yeah. so, in, so they're going to get bloody good at chess, aren't they? That's, <laughs> that's, yes. the, that's the only plus for them. And, uh, and, um, yeah, and 101 Dalmatians is going to go down very it's well. It's going to go uh, down yeah. really, really well. Yeah, no, um, uh, deeply worrying. And, and, and one wonders where it's going to go from there, to tell 
tell you the honest truth. Well, yeah, I mean, it's almost like there's a there's a uh, a story about how shit Qatar's going to be almost every week or two, isn't it? It's almost like, yeah. and who saw that coming? No. Well, I, I, no, the strange thing is, you, you kind of think it's going to be awful. I thought the World Cup in Russia was going to be awful, yeah. and and was rather shocked that it, it, it went off. Well, um, yeah, it's partly because they put all the homeless people in Siberia. You know, well, yes, and 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 employed all the biker gangs to stop <laughs> the hooligans fighting <laughs> each other. But other than that, you know, it's a way of dealing with it. Isn't it? it may not be our way. No. But it's a way of dealing with it. It is a way. It is a yes. way. Anyway, shall we move on? I mean, I, uh, you perhaps understand that given the football I've been watching this season, I've started to take more of an interest in the in the National League and beyond, looking for crumbs of comfort down there, uh, looking yeah. for stories of catastrophe followed by glorious redemption to hang a little <laughs> hope on. You know, any yes. sign of life, gratefully welcome. I mean, it's it's an it's an, a mixed picture looking down at looking down into the non-league. I mean, a few weeks ago, Buxton played Morecambe in the second round of the FA Cup. Uh, Morecambe, I always think of as a non-league team, but obviously they're a division above us now. Um, and they lost by a single goal. And I read some of an interview with uh, their player, Diego Di Girolamo, uh, before the match. And he said he'd had an offer from Morecambe when they were in League Two, but oh, Buxton yes. outbid them on the wages. I mean, yeah. there's always been clubs in the non-league, in the Northern Premier League, in Buxton's case, paying daft money. But it shows that the costs of running a club in League Two are not so very different to the costs in, in the divisions below. And, of course, the big difference is that outside the league, clubs don't qualify for the solidarity payments from the Premier League television deal, the crumbs from the table. So they have to find ways to be, uh, you know, more self-sufficient. Well, well, to be leaner, I think, is, 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 yes, is the but, phrase that they but, like to use. <laughs> but also, it's it's they're doing it with crowds. You know, there are quite a few clubs in the National League managing this with bells. I mean, you think, you know, Oldham's, Oldham's average crowd, I think, this season must be a three, three and a half thousand, and some, and a lot of those are um, season ticket holders who haven't actually bloody turned up, but are, but are yeah. counted in the figures, you know. Um, but look at Stockport, for instance. You know, they've been taken over by a local property entrepreneur called Mark Stott, and thanks to his input, they can lure players from the leagues above with fatter pay packets. Anthony Sarchevich, they got from Bolton, uh, Paddy Madden from Fleetwood, who's a striker that most League Two teams would put straight in there. We certainly would. And uh, John Rooney, the brother of Wayne, who they outbid several football league clubs for. And they're sixth, they're, they're, you know, they're not running away with it or anything. They're sixth, which is playoffs at the moment. Five points cover the top nine just now. It's a fantastically um, competitive division at the moment. But there are no meaningful salary restraints outside the league, which the, the League Two clubs have to deal with. So the fifth tier is just getting stronger and stronger because they can, they, can, they can pay lower league uh, players to to drop out of the league and and pay them better. But uh, doesn't it doesn't doesn't that tell you something about the efficacy of of the financial restrictions that the league are putting on? Yeah. In that once they're <laughs> free of that, they seem to sort themselves out. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, some, not, not, yeah. not every team, obviously, but that, that that's the frightening thing. Yeah. They, they, no, it's true. This top, top top down control. It's clearly not working. Yeah. So maybe it's something a regulator could could look at. But, um, I wonder. If, yeah. I wonder. Oh, an in, well, an independent regulator. An independent regulator. Yeah, that yeah. that could work. Certainly. Exactly. I love I love your I love the fact that you like this story so much. When you're sitting there um, at the at virtually at the very bottom. Oh, you're you're bottom again, are you now? We're bottom now. Yeah, yeah. We're well, bottom now at the very bottom of the league, <laughs> like like a downtrodden medieval peasant believing <laughs> in the afterlife. <laughs> yes, but there's a god, well, isn't there? There's I, a yeah. god out there, <laughs> and I've already got the black death. 
<laughs> I mean, look at the National League. It's heartening in a way to look at Chesterfield, who are top of the league just on goal mm. difference after dropping out of the league in 2018 and spending a couple of seasons, frankly, flirting with dropping down even further. Then in 2020, like a year and a half ago, the summer of 2020, the club was bought from Dave Allen, uh, their car crash owner, by the Chesterfield FC Community Trust. And a year and a half later, they're riding high. It just goes to show what can happen if you can if you can shift a terrible, uh, doom-laden owner. I mean, Oldham's are clans. There's obviously a comedian, Dave Allen, but same difference. And they yes. got 8,000 in for their top-of-the-table clash with Halifax mm. at the Technique Stadium, which is what it's called now. Mm. But, that, uh, you know, that's we haven't had, had, had 8,000 since we were in the Premier League. You know, and that that is a, that that's not just you know um, being free of the restrictions of uh, of the league, but it's it's also replacing the solidarity payments by creating a team that people want to go and see. Well, you know? one and two, um, having the club run by people who care. Uh, yes, exactly. Which exactly. seems so, to make a difference. I don't know. It doesn't always work like that, but it does seem to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, some, some owners, you know, it's difficult to tell what the hell they've gone into the game for. You know what they're what they're getting out of the, the owners at Oldham at the moment. What the hell are they getting out of it? You know, they're getting abused every time they put their heads above the parapet. I'm reading a thing about Carlisle, who, who have um, um, who had some much hated uh, hated owners, and yeah. they, and they reckoned they reckoned that this guy, one of one of the, I think there's three of them, but I, I, I'd have, I'm very happy to be corrected on that. Um, they reckoned the supporters um, um, forum reckoned that he was going to stay forever because even though he got all this shit and it cost him a lot of money and. And um, he hardly ever went to the games. He gets free cup final tickets. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the only thing they could think. <laughs> what you keep from there? And actually, you think I'll tell you what. If it's going to cost you a grand a year, <laughs> you get, you but get guaranteed, four, guaranteed four cup free cup final tickets. There are some interesting uh, interesting owners in the non-league. Uh, uh, Wrexham sitting third with their, with their Hollywood owners. Yes, you know Rob McElhenney of um, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." You know why it's always sunny in Philadelphia? It's because they film it in California. That's why uh, it's always sunny in. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, but anyway, and him and uh, Ryan Reynolds, and they've got a fly on the wall all access documentary um, yeah. going. And they did a great thing when they came to a game recently. They came over recently to a, uh, both of them with a lot of publicity, um, saying uh, that they'd invited Danny DeVito, who's in in the sitcom, obviously. Yes. And then Thank they turned up, <laughs> then they turned up at the pub with a bloke who could have been him. Or it might have been a double, but they kept the press out of the pub and they kept them at a distance. So they, so no one was sure if it really was Danny DeVito. And I love that. I think that's a fantastic uh, gag. I like his style, Ryan Reynolds. He's he's deadpan, isn't he? No, he's Deadpool. He's Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> and Macclesfield, another, yeah. another who went out just to, uh, went out of business. Another a Phoenix club, like uh, in the ninth tier, I think. And they've had a shot in the arm, haven't they? As well, it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure you'd call it glamour, having Robbie Savage, but the fly of the wall documentary of their own. It's not so much Deadpool, is it? As, as Welsh. Um, pool. pool, but um, they got four and a half thousand for a game, which is more than we've had all season. Four and a half thousand for a recent game in the ninth tier against Winsford, who, I, yeah. you know, as it happens, my grandfather used to play for. Is not not in that game, yeah. but you know, long no. ago. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yes. and, and there are some. There and are some. Yeah, Winsford, of course, is 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 the um, is the large scale distribution centre of the northwest, is it? Not? <laughs> There's a lot of, of big factories and. Uh, and so, well, ICI uh, is right. My grandfather used to work for ICI, the chemical factory yeah. there. But um, uh, there are some big clubs still down there. Notts County had a recent uh, ticket for a fiver promotion for a game against Solihull Moors, who were also Mm. in the playoffs, in the top nine or so. Um, And they got a crowd of 12,500. You know, and they were they were, they went down a couple of years ago, and you thought, oh, they're such a big, you know, such a big name, and the oldest professional football club, aren't they? And um, you thought, well, surely they're going to have a, uh, come straight back up, but they haven't done. It's, it's very competitive down there. Well, you know, I, I have nothing particularly against Notts County, but I don't want them to come up because while they're not in the league, we're yeah, the oldest yeah, 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 yeah. professional football club yeah, in the league. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, that's that's more well, important. Well, yeah, I know a sign of the strength of the national league is no team who's got promotion back into the into the league or back into the league if it. Uh, should happen to be that has ever gone straight back down, and South End, who dropped out of the league last summer, currently nineteenth, twentieth, I think, fucking ominous, frankly. But look at Lincoln; they they rebuilt and came back into the league straight on up to yeah. League One. Look at Luton; came back in and went straight back up to the Championship. So it can yeah. happen, you know. It would just be crazy yeah, to yeah. assume that it will definitely happen. Just because you drop out of the league, you get some kind of reset. I mean, there's more in the way of uh, optimism north of the border. I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but um, Arbroath. Everyone's my, happy about Arbroath. My granddad used to pronounce them. I used to do the pools. He said, yeah. Arbroath. I'm on Arbroath. Kaidenbeath. Or Stenheismier. Stenheismier. Yeah, and it was like he'd never heard these words said by him. But, you know, he'd not paid paying attention to the, to the classified check. Kaidenbeath. <laughs> only, only he'd ever heard people from, from Belfast yeah. pr- pronounce them. <laughs> Lenark, you say. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, they're fantastic, sorry, aren't they? The only part-time team in the Scottish Championship. And they're right at the top, able to get into the top flight for the first time, ahead of a bunch of more, like what you'd call traditional yo-yo clubs, like Inverness and Kilmarnock and Parting This, Partick, Hamilton yep. Academicals. Yes. Um, they've, they, uh, they have, the, the, like Notts County, they have a, a, a historic claim to fame, don't they? The 36-0 win against... 36-0, Bon Accord. Bon Accord in yes. 1885. Their manager, like the side of his manager, is Dick Campbell. He's currently yeah. out of the dugout because of COVID. But his assistant is his twin brother. So the chances yeah. are no one's going to notice. <laughs> well, <laughs> There are knows. stories up there about, about fans going for fish and chips in the pub before the game and finding Dick Campbell and his assistant on the next table talking <laughs> tactics for the game, which is a thing that happens in Ted Lasso. <laughs> well, and also, you know, really, let's get back to it, but it lends itself to panto immediately. <laughs> Straight away, let's watch that Arbroath panto, yeah, I think. Exactly. And they're right next to the sea. They're a bit like Grimsby. They are. They've, they're, got the, they've got the closest ground to the sea in the whole, in the whole country, apparently, um, yeah. between Dundee and Montrose. They're known as yeah. the Red Lichties because they're, they, because yeah. they're Scottish. Now, yes. It's on account of the red light that used to guide boats into the harbour in the old days. Yep. They're thinking yep. of up- updating that to the uh, global positioning systems, they're going to call themselves. <laughs> 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 but no, yes. look at the Scottish league tables. There are a couple of things that would never have happened back in the day when they used to have league ladders. Cove Rangers. Top of League One. I had to look look at where they are. It's a suburb of Aberdeen, apparently. Kelty Hearts. And Kelty Hearts. They sound. They sound. If you when you read about them, they sound quite a lot like original Hearts. They play in maroon. They're called the Jambos, and they have a fierce local rivalry with. Well, not not with Kelty Hibs. Kelty Hibs. That'd be too weird. (laughs) But with Hill of Beath Hawthorne. 
So that's how uh, they've well, come that up from... that is a big game, isn't it? They, yeah. <laughs> they're just a couple of miles from Cowden Beath, so they should perhaps try and cook up a rivalry there. But yeah. they're, they're, it's interesting how they got into the league because they were promoted at the expense in the playoff of Brecon City, who dropped out. And it was a bit controversial because the Lowland League was cancelled in the COVID after 13 games. So they only played 13 uh, games and just happened to be top. So they got into the playoffs against Brora Rangers, who'd only played three games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they beat them. But now, yeah, but now but they're top... And Brewer Rangers had beaten the Hearts, proper Hearts, proper in, hearts. The Scottish Cup, in the Scottish in the Cup, Cup. Yeah, yeah, as right. well. Yeah. And then they found themselves playing Celtic. Probably a bit of complacency set in, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, so but it was controversial that they came up. But they're definitely playing like they belong there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just goes to show that when teams come into the league in Scotland, as in England, they quite often do so because they've got themselves well organised and well set up. You know, they don't have a shit owner holding them back, and uh, and the owner's brother picking the team. Which has been yeah. happening to Oldham this week, and, and you know teams that have been stagnating in the lower divisions like us, without being able to challenge, suddenly just look like cannon fodder. You know, just look like. Anyway, there you go. It's, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, are you are you actually crying? It does look a little bit like yeah. you're crying. No, I was looking for crumbs of comfort, and and really, I just found a, 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 a whole new area of despair to mine. Oh, this, trust me, Chris, you haven't even scratched the surface despair-wise. There's so much more despair out there. Well, that's good, because we have to do this again next week. So. <laughs> yeah, and just before we finish, we should we should mention Daniel Sturridge, who's been <laughs> <laughs> hauled through the courts in Los Angeles. This I love this. He lost his dog, and I think probably in a fit of, of desperation, I put a, a post out saying that he would pay $30,000 to anybody that could find it. Yeah, this so, is in America, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this bloke found it and brought it back and he said oh, I was only joking and yeah. the bloke took him to court and got his $30,000 because it's America <laughs> because it's America but what I liked best about that was was I I, I, I imagine that Daniel Sturridge said $30,000 because he couldn't think of a sum smaller that's yeah. what happens well, when what he actually said was, what he actually said was I think uh, when I read the story he said I'd pay anything 20000 30000 he yeah. said that. He said he, uh, he offered yeah. two different different values. Yes, but I yes. think I think Daniel Sturridge must have a suspicion that this guy nicked his dog, and that's why he didn't want to pay him. That he, oh, well, you'd he always think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd always think that. Yeah, 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 you would. Right, we're nearly at the end, but I want to say, oh, I haven't even got to the fact that Amanda Staveley's head is getting bigger week by week and <laughs> may well float away before the end of January. I think but she's amazing we- looking. Well, she looks like she's carved out of granite. You wouldn't but want you, to take you, her on, you, would you? But you know, you were talking about about uh, Michael uh, Mikel, I should say, Arteta, uh, Arteta uh, yeah. and and then I actually believe football is being taken over by the Thunderbirds, and that's something we can talk about next week because yeah. I can think of several other. Well, um, Ranieri, uh, Ranieri well, is yeah. Jeff Tracy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's any number of, and um, Scott Parker, who has two names, both Thunderbirds, both Thunderbirds. Um, looks like a Thunderbird <laughs> as well. Anyway, there's any number of those things which we'll come back to to uh, next week. But for, of course, we've got to do our famous sloping pitch uh, review of the year. So, uh, Chris, we'll start off with you. Review of the year, Chris. Uh, the year just gone shit. Okay. And what about you? Uh, not as shit as I thought it was going to be, but on the whole, 
pretty shit. Looking forward so to that, more piles of shit to come. <laughs> yes. Okay. And just to say um, that if you want a quiet new year, why not visit our Twitter page at <laughs> Sloping Pitch, where you can guarantee it'll be just you and maybe one other. Um, tell us your thoughts, opinions, and and maybe what you're wearing. Oh, no, that's, a, that's a different thing. Altogether. That's only Amanda Stavely. And that's a different thing. Okay. Have a lovely, lovely, lovely new year. We'll be back next Thursday and hopefully we'll have a guest because frankly, that's been painful. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.